0: Welcome to Funny Looking Pod. This is Pete from the Funny Looking Pod. Good intro, good start. Um, This is the extended version of my interview with Michael J. Dolan, a lovely, funny, hilarious man who came onto my house and we spoke for about two hours or so. Uh, So by the time we'd finished, he had really outstayed his welcome. But nevertheless, a lot of it was really interesting. And for the actual pod, we had to really hack it down. So this is a bit more of that. Lots of interesting stuff, really worth listening to. Um, so check it out and let us know what you think. So, um, for those who don't know you, how would you sort of describe what you do in sort of the least
1: wanky way possible? The least wanky way possible.
0: Yeah, and then we'll do the most and then we all right, so. um,
1: it's just miserable. It's just miserable <laughs> stand up. I don't think comedy should just be one thing. I think a lot of comedy is all is all sort of happy and jolly and leaves people feeling good. And I don't understand why comedy can't be bleak and depressing. I don't see why. You should be able to make people laugh but then have them leave going, yeah, well, that really brought me down. <laughs> I think that should be an option. Is that uh, a sort of a life view or just
0: off for comedy? Like, how much is the Michael J. Dolan on stage similar to who you are day to day? It's really hard
1: to separate the two, I think. Um, just the nature of stand-up itself. Unless you're one of these... But even... No, unless you're one of these, like, one-liner guys who gives very little of themselves away on stage, it's really hard to separate the person from the comedian, mm-hmm. I think. There's always going to be some of you. So the version of me on stage, is it's, a, it's an amplified version of certain parts of myself. Sure. But it's it is still myself. Yeah. I mean, I say things that I don't necessarily agree with or believe as part of the character, I suppose. But they have to come from somewhere. It's really difficult, it's really complicated. (laughs) It's, I think of all the, I'm going to call it an art form. That's fine. Of all the art forms. We're cool with that. Of all the different ways to make art, it's the one that's, I think, most difficult to separate the art from the artist. Mm -hmm. Because you you have to get up there and be somebody. And unless you are doing specifically character comedy, you're just going to get up there and be, you're presenting it as if it is yourself. Yeah. Well, it, so is, it's, it
0: is you standing in front of
1: a yeah, room full of people and you've got to represent whoever you are in that moment. It's your name, it's your face, it's your voice, it's <laughs> you. That is you. And it's not necessarily who you are, but it's it, at the same time it is. Yeah. Um,
0: so in one of our earlier podcasts, we talked about a uh, gig that we came to see of yours that you recorded for an album yes. that you've since released an article about. And how did that go down? <laughs> um...
1: It was, It was uh, the show itself went really well. I was quite pleased with it. Um, it went fine. Uh, we really enjoyed it. The one, um, there's lots
0: of really good stuff I've list- liked, and I've listened to it again since. There was a bit about The Bat Signal, which I thought was really, really funny. The point that my girlfriend made, actually, after the show, and I kind of laughed it off slightly at the time, was that she said, I really liked him. I thought it was really funny for the most part, but I think he really dislikes women. That was her initial right. reaction. And I kind of laughed it off because I was like, no, he's done it. he's an intelligent man, he's doing intelligent stuff. And then interestingly, like a few months later, you released this article on The Skinny, yeah, um, essentially apologising for being a misogynist comedian. So how did that sort of come about? What was
1: the sort of process? Well, we put the record out and I tried to like, get press for it and I tried to get people to review it. Nobody would touch it because who the fuck am I? and um, nobody was interested. And I managed to get two reviews. Uh, American Guy and in his independent blog that he does, uh, he reviews everything that comes out. I've been reading his for a while. It's how I find out about what's coming out. It's quite good. And I was very positive. What's um, it called to so? me? I think it's just called comedyreviews.com, I yeah. think. Possibly hyphenated. Um, it's Googling it. It's yeah. 2013 it's um, I was really happy with that. It was it, it was a rave. It was really. <laughs> the other review was in... Uh, it was Giggle Beats, which is a northeastern comedy mm-hmm. website. Um, and, again, it was it started very well, the reviews. It was very positive. And then, about midway through, compared me to Bernard Manning and called me a misogynist. And that, I, I did the same thing you just said. I, I tried to laugh it off. I was just like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm not a misogynist. I um, think the Manning thing is sort of sensational, but... Yeah, I think that's somebody who's maybe not quite got a great grip on what Manning did. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not a comparison you ever want, even, yeah. in, even in sort of... I mean, you know, the for everything that I did, I'm pretty sure there's no racism in the show. I'm almost positive. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to listen to it again. But, yeah. The, I, think the, I think one of the things... Uh, you get defensive, essentially, when, when you read something like that. I think somebody, said, somebody tells you you said something that was misogynistic, you don't hear them say the thing you said was misogynistic. You hear them say, you are a misogynist. Yep. And it's not necessarily the same thing. And some of the stuff on the record is clearly misogynistic. Again, I think a lot of it is to do with just the phrasing of it on the night and the way things sort of link together to, as a whole rather than individual jokes. I think there's like a flavour of it all the way through the set, which I, I obviously really regret and wish hadn't been there. But it was it was—it's uh, entirely my own fault. <laughs> well, completely kind of... uninformed. You know, it's just... It's, it's a question of conditioning, isn't it? I mean, we, we live in, like, quite a in, in an incredibly uh, misogynistic society. And I think the, the sort of the patriarchal nature of the way we're brought up and the way we're taught and everything, it's so ingrained that most of us are doing this stuff without even realising we're doing it. Yeah,
0: I, I completely agree. And it's kind of come... I've seen that in, in just the way I am, actually, since like, talking about that night in, in particular. It was like, so I... No, it wasn't like that. But it's, <laughs> you do... Once you notice things, you just notice it everywhere. Yeah. But it's just like,
1: how do you then go on from that? Well, that's exactly what happened because I I read the thing and then I, um, I spoke to a few people um, about it and got their thoughts on it and they agreed with it, which was particularly disappointing. <laughs> um, you said, no, it's fine. Yeah. And then I wrote the article... And just reread it and just thought, well, this is tedious. Nobody's interested in this. it's you know, <laughs> completely self-involved, um, utterly worthless. So I just left it. And then I did, I started seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Once yeah, once you've noticed it, you see it everywhere. I started seeing it in all kinds of comedians, acts. And quite often people who clearly had no idea that's what they were doing. Yeah. Like you see it I I was seeing it at every comedy. There was one example at every single comedy night for like five, six months. So mm-hmm. what do you do in that
0: situation? Would you ever feel confident telling people that in the same way that someone told you that? Or or do you just get on with your life and try and improve what you do? It's, uh, it's tricky. That's, yeah, that's I, good I, question. I'm not saying you go up to someone and go, you're a misogynist, you need to change your act. But it's kind of, I if think you are noticing these things, the people you like and know, is there that sort of grounds for comment? Or is it no, I think
1: not the done thing? If somebody's doing something that is particularly offensive and they've clearly not, noticed or thought about it, then I'll, I will point it out. I think, essentially, that's why I ended up trying to get the article published. was mm-hmm. because it was months later and I was just like, well, this is actually a real problem. And I thought, one of the reasons I only talk about my own act in the article is because I just thought it's not really fair to use anybody else as a test trace. Okay. It's not really... Um, I mean, what I did was not... I'm not trying to justify it or play it down but I think what I did was certainly at the milder end of the scale yeah, really. um, some of the stuff that you see is just horrific. But those jokes that you now say you wouldn't do did they, they go down a storm right in certain places Yeah I mean you wouldn't do them otherwise I think you do lose sight of yourself because it's the way you develop an act is you have to rely on audience response mm-hmm. to know what's funny to some extent or at least that's how I used to look at it the problem, I think, the problem with that show, specifically, is that that was me trying to be accessible and mainstream. Mm-hmm. That's what that was. And then I put it out, and everybody was just going Oh, it's really dark, which was a bit disappointing. That was me trying to be Michael McIntyre. <laughs> that was me like, trying my best <laughs> to be. Yeah, you know. and I think because of that, I was I was maybe choosing material that was more popular with the audience than it was with me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's stuff on there that I'm, I am jokes on there that I don't. Partic- I'm not particularly proud of, just in terms of the quality of the material.
0: So is it more of a sort of a self-confidence thing in what you're doing, rather than seeking that approval from ultimately people whose judgment is worse than yours? It seems? Yeah, I
1: mean, the audience don't necessarily know anything but at all. People are stupid. People I think are that's inherently yeah a true statement. I I generally think I believe that if the clubs still let people do racist material there would be comedians who would do it and there would be audiences that would love it. Mm-hmm. There's uh, no doubt in a mind that's the case. There, there are some people that do slip some stuff in on, on the weekends. I'm not going to name them. Um, <laughs> I have seen that. Uh, and he knows he's doing it as well because the promoter was in the second night and he dropped that bit completely. But um, <laughs> how, how did it go down? Yeah, great. Always
0: goes down great. People, I've heard I that, stuff, that stuff terrifying, actually. Not te- yeah. No, terrifying, because it's like, th- what we're, the whole thing of this podcast is to sort of find really interesting new stuff and kind of get away from horrible bear pit nights where you yeah. have a chicken in a basket and a disco and three comedians. Yeah. And if that's so rife, that's shocking, because I would never try and put myself in
1: those situations. I'm terribly middle class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to pull myself out of it. Um, which is financially non-viable. Yeah, exactly. I did. It uh, was just after I got back from Edinburgh Festival. I did a weekend at Preston Frog and Bucket. I I just done. i done the Fringe for a month, doing the show, and I I came back and the first gig I uh, back was I think it was a Friday night in Preston, and then I had a Saturday night immediately after in the same venue, and on the Friday night I did about seven or eight minutes to total silence. Uh, and then they just started chatting amongst themselves and I wrapped up and I got off and I didn't get paid and I was supposed to do 20 minutes and then on the Saturday night uh, I managed about six minutes and I got booed off and I just I totally felt fell out with club comedy mm. that night I think um, was the whole idea of there's a, a group of people arrive at a place to see some comedy in inverted commas, and then a parade of comedians go out and have to try and win them over. It just seems stupid. Mm -hmm. It just seems ridiculous. Who's having a good time in that? It's just like... People end up seeing stuff they don't want to see. Yeah. I'm ruining that night. (laughs) They're ruining your night? Yeah. Your life, your career. I I had to leave that getting paid because I was so humiliated by the whole experience. You get booed off after six minutes. You can't then go to the promoter and go, can I have my money now, please? (laughs) I had to just get in the car and go home. And I know that the analogy that everybody uses is music, like this idea that you wouldn't just go and see, like, a music night, like, comedy. We need, I, th- I think comedy needs genres. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I think we need to it. start delineating genres because alternative and mainstream don't really cut it anymore. I don't think you can categorise it in that way, particularly. Um, it's the equivalent, like, somebody going to see a comedy night because they've seen it on comedy on the telly and they think they like comedy mm-hmm. It's essentially the same as... Somebody saying, "Well, I enjoy the work of Taylor Swift. I don't see why I wouldn't enjoy Skrillex. You know, it just doesn't. It doesn't compute. You just you don't know what you're getting." Um, that is a younger reference
0: than I was expecting from you. Then, I yeah, thanks. Expect- <laughs> no,
1: <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting sort of a Britney. <laughs> I, I know my shit. I listen. I listen to the radio. I know what's. I know what's going it's on. Dreadful the
0: radio, it is,
1: isn't it? <laughs> um,
0: so back to the article. The, the, the reaction was. Mainly positive, was it, from what you have written? Or was there people who said, I don't think you're actually like this? What was the...
1: Um, I was expecting a bit of backlash, because you talk about misogyny and feminism on the internet. You, like, the stories go that everybody gets death threats, don't they? But I think because I'm a bloke, nobody... I don't think nothing happened. It was all very positive. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody. I was expecting to at least get some shit in some green rooms. I had to go in and people just give me some grief, but it hasn't happened. I guess it was well-received. People seemed to agree with it for the most part, the people that read it. But then it was being shared by quite partisan people on Twitter. i yeah. mm-hmm. um, I've being, of... being followed by a lot of feminists now. But it led to you going on Woman's Hour. Uh, How did that happen? What What was the process? What They got in touch. They just... Uh, they rang um, my agent. Uh, I love saying that. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. They rang... Um, Basically what happened was I woke up one day to find that I had a missed call from somebody from the agency and an email saying, get in touch with me, exciting news. <laughs> and I ignored that. And I went on Twitter, because that's the first thing I do every day, which is a dreadful idea. And it said, BBC Radio 4, Woman's Hour is now following you. And I was just like, oh, what the fuck is this shit? I've just woken up. I don't need whatever this is. <laughs> a horrible way to start your day. Um, they'd they been in touch and they just they wanted to talk to me about the article and about misogyny and comedy and I said yes to that that seemed like a perfectly reasonable thing to do and I really regret it well it was done we were talking before it was done in like a little tiny cupboard at yeah media city I thought it was just going to be me I thought it was just gonna they were going to interview me about the thing I didn't realise it was going to be somebody else being interviewed which, which is fine but it was supposed to be they told me it was going to be Bridget Christie I think it was supposed mm-hmm. to be on and then that obviously changed at the last minute, and they had the woman from, who runs Jonglers on. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just it was a mess. They prepped me for a totally different set of questions. It than, uh, to me, listening in, that you were trying to
0: explain quite a complex viewpoint in two 30-second chunks, whilst other people interrupted <laughs> you, about asking you different questions to the point you were trying to make.
1: Yeah, that's, how, that's exactly how it was. They put, I was in a room in Salford. They were in London. I was in a grey, windowless room in Salford with a microphone plugged into a phone. Very tense. Technological. Right. Don't, um, don't don't get technological because <laughs> <at> <laughs> this isn't the BBC. I'm not, I, I don't expect <laughs> the, the same sort of it was like a proper like big beige phone with like a what like a you know the coil wire. Yeah. Was, it was, yeah. Like really old shit. Um, and the worst part was I was sat in this room like for 25 minutes just on my own listening to Woman's Hour they bundled me into this room with this microphone and the way it was set up as well was I could hear them fine, everything sounded fine but I could hear myself um, really echoey mm-hmm. and I could hear all my own spit and breathing and it was all really loud and coming back at me and I was sat in this room just listening to myself breathe and my stomach gurgling and listen <laughs> while Woman's Hour was playing and the woman's talking about climb- like climbing trees for protests and I don't know what the fuck was going on I think at some point what had happened was they'd decided that I was going to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. That they were going to treat me as if I was, right, well, we've got this misogynist comedian coming on uh-huh. and we're going to talk to him as if he's, you know, Bernard Manning, which wasn't what I was prepped for at all, I don't think. Uh, and then I think they were disappointed when, oh, it wasn't that sensational. And I actually had some quite reasonable things to say. And then there was about. They tried to talk about about 30 or 40 different things in the space of five minutes as well, which was just impossible. Not like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least with this. You know, it's not live. That's the thing that I don't understand about. Why do that show live? Why not just interview somebody and then edit it down to, like... I think when it's such a
0: a complex issue, um, that that's just... Yeah, it's ridiculous. And you're never going to... Get across every point you want to get across in the way you want to explain it. Yeah. Because it's not saying, oh, yeah, so I was like this, but not... It, yeah, it was just ridiculous.
1: And then we, they came to me late as well because that arsehole was on talking about um, sex addiction. That psychologist guy was banging on. For, and he just went on and on. And he was... in The thing was, I was sitting there listening to that part of the interview. They, they, it was completely unrelated. It was just a barrage of stories. <laughs> it was... It was um, people converting to Islam followed by something about sex addiction followed by a, a woman who climbed trees in protest at something that I wasn't really paying attention to that bit. And then me and the woman from John was talking about misogyny and comedy. It was just like in quick succession. But the guy who was talking about sex addiction was just constantly interrupting them. Mm. He was just like, no, no, no I'm... Blah, blah, I was just listening to this thinking, well, I don't want to be this dickhead. I don't want to so, be like... So I was just polite and just people interrupted me. I let them, I, you know... Tried to say what I wanted to say, but yeah, it was horrible. I went home and went to bed. <laughs> <An> awful day.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, should we take it quickly back to something, the future now, because it feels okay. like it's been looking back to you much. So what's coming up? What's the plans? Uh, I'm Just a, sell, uh, advertise yourself, I guess. is oh, this sort this really? of Yeah, but you can do it, like, sarcastically. Everybody's if you do always
1: trying to sell everybody things. It's <laughs> exhausting. Are you doing any shows coming up? That's a good question. I'm at the Leicester Comedy Festival this week, but I don't know when this is going to go online, so that might... Oh, be... no, it's what happened by then. This is, this yeah, is a couple of weeks ago. so, all right. I, I was at the Leicester Comedy Festival. How was it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> on on the Discord <laughs> Uh doing It's like the first sort of run out for the new show that I'm working on, which I'm taking to the Fringe this year. Okay. I, um, I came to see you at the Spoon Inn the other week. Yes. And
0: I... It's a funny place to swoon in. It's a cafe yes. where they've tried to put a comedy club. Um, Shouldn't work at all. But, um, uh, it was lovely. It was, I really enjoyed it. Was it was quite a nice night. I, I loved, like, it was, it was very positive. And then you came on last and it was like, it, it was quite nervous at times. I loved it. Right. I was one of the, the really laughing ones. Yeah, it's quite bleak, isn't it? It is. Um, how do you cope with that sort of nervous room sometimes? What's the... Uh, does, does it just make you go more down, more dark,
1: what is it? The, the act is just what it is. I mean, uh, you. it's it's all still very new what I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm working on at the moment. Uh, that I don't know how long I did then. It was about, I think it was about 25 minutes of that. I think maybe 15 I'd said before okay. um, and not very often. So it's not like I can sort of sense that the audience is getting uncomfortable and change tack. Yeah, like, yeah you just got, got away from with. Um, and I don't want to do old stuff because I hate everything that I did. Um, <laughs> that happens to me very quickly. I get very, very tired of my material mm. very quickly. Okay. Like every time I write a new bit, I start to hate everything that I wrote. I was, I expect it. I expect people to not enjoy it. Okay. I'm completely prepared for that. I really enjoy it, so it's fine. Um, You've got me. It's I think fine. that's kind of the what I'm going for, is because I'm not looking for... The audience response to tell me whether or not what I'm doing is any good, because I'm trying to trust myself more now mm-hmm. with that stuff. What I'm finding is, while a lot of people hate it, the people that like it seem to really like it, yeah. um, and I would rather have it that way around because those people will come and see me again. But
0: well, that's like the genres of stuff again though, isn't it? Yeah. There are certain
1: bands who are doing stuff not meant for mass consumption. Yeah, not everything is for everyone, that's ridiculous it's really hard to you can't experiment you have to deliver there's a lot of pressure on you to go into these clubs yeah. and be consistently good in front of any crowd and the only way to really do that is to sort of smooth off all the sort of the rough edges and be quite I guess mainstream is the word but uh, I don't know if it is just it has to be effective it has to be consistent it has to be it has to work anywhere I think when it's, when it's your living, it's really, really hard to then experiment and get better. But then also, there is the pressure on you. You do have to be consistent and deliver, but then you also have to be constantly turning over new material. Mm-hmm. You can't be going back and doing the same 20 minutes every year because the promoters will eventually stop booking you then as well. But where do you experiment with that stuff? I, d- I don't really understand how... I don't understand how professional comedians do it. <laughs> it's not... I tried it. I chased it. It wasn't for me. I'm quite happy to just. What's happened is I've taken the money out of it. Okay. That's that's what I'm doing now. Is I'm, I'm only doing gigs where um, they're either there, they know they're there for new material or it's just low pressure and they know they're going to get something a bit more experimental. And the pay's shit. And if my wife didn't have a job, we'd be fucked. <laughs> I'm very lucky to be able to do this now. But I think now's the time to do it because. <laughs> I think what happens is people start doing stand-up comedy and almost immediately they see people who are making a living doing it and think they think to themselves, well, if I could do that, then I, w- I would be able to get better at stand-up mm-hmm. because that would be all I would be doing. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case. The the period of time where you're not getting paid and you can experiment and dick about is incredibly important. And I think if you start getting that paid work too quickly... Um. You just you end up having to deliver and having to perform, and you become quite sort of homogenised and mainstream. I'm actually really starting to enjoy stand-up again. I went through a period of time where I was absolutely hating it, um, and that is definitely related to the fact that I just felt like I was under pressure to deliver because I was getting paid. Okay. I really hated it. So, but again, you're finding
0: more experimental, interesting nights a lot more fulfilling, if yeah. not financially fulfilling. No, if there's
1: if there's no pressure at all, and, <laughs> <laughs> there's no risk, there's no. <laughs> I'm not going to get heckled. No, that's not it. I just I want to be able to do stuff where people don't laugh, but be comfortable with that. Yeah, okay. That's and I'm happy to get paid to do that. I'm happy to do that in regular comedy clubs, but they have to understand that that's what they're getting when they book me so you want to be a comedian with no jokes, no yeah. laughs. That's if the show that I'm working on now, if there's something in it that feels too much like a joke, I will cut it. Um, it's, it's probably really stupid. It's probably a really, I'm so paranoid and mental about this stuff. I was up <laughs> late last night. I was lying in bed awake and, um, woke my wife up. It intentionally I was just fidgeting. She asked me what I was thinking about. And I said, <laughs> "I genuinely said this, uh, I said, I'm starting to worry that the show that I'm working on isn't advanced enough. I think I should write a show, not do it, get rid of it, and then write another one and do that, so that I'm two shows in front. (laughs) That's 5am, this is what I was thinking. Idiotic, completely idiotic. How could I have learned anything from the show that I don't do? It doesn't make any sense. But I think the point is, with the show that I'm working on now, I wanted it to be... I don't see the point of going to the Fringe with a show that is just more of the same. Mm -hmm. It it costs too much money to perform there for that. I don't see the point of it. Um, And it's not like I'm trying to get on TV. It's not like I'm trying to get on Russell Howard's Good News. So that's not the point of going there either. The only point for me now is to go and try and get better. So the show that I'm working on now has to feel, to me at least, like an evolutionary step. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to force that. I don't know how to make that happen. And it is infuriating. It's but driving me nuts. But you can't, like you said, you can't jump that progress. That might not happen this year.
0: But Do I feel know? like
1: I should be able to. I feel like I should be smart enough. I feel, I feel like there should be a way for me to think my way into a better show. Do you know, um, I am financially non-viable. Uh, you seem alright with that
0: though. I'm alright To it. an extent. Um, my
1: mm-hmm. agent is incredibly unhappy with it. Your wife's um, My wife's dealing with it. Uh, She's I'm so lucky She's so supportive Um, I would be fucked I would be so fucked I've just been incredibly lucky To have people support me Through this Ludicrous idea Of trying to be A stand up comedian (laughs) Most people don't get This opportunity And I am thankful for it (laughs) I don't understand How she doesn't hate me I really don't. If you if you say something sincere and then laugh at the end of it, I think it makes it less sincere. <laughs> yeah, I've n i have a problem with sincerity. Um is that? Bad? Right. I can't remember what we were talking about. It was good though. I'm gonna stop got this. Loads of new, this I've you know, got new, over new, an new, hour. It's gonna be a nightmare to edit
0: that, isn't it? Oh, it's a <laughs> fucking nightmare. Thanks though. <laughs> That's quite please right. never contact me again. It's been it's been pleasant or That was amazing. Fair play to all involved. Legends. Um, So if you did enjoy that, thank you very much for listening. You can find out more about us at funnylooking.co.uk. We've got an email address, funnylookingpod at gmail.com. And we're on the Twitter, at funnylookingpod. So please get in touch, because it is very nice to hear from you, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart. Um, The next funny-looking a birthday edition, some, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, it's coming out soon, so keep your eyes on the iTunes, I don't know, I I don't know how you download it,
1: or why you download it, anyway, I'll leave it there, thanks a lot for listening again, and all the best.